Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. It's Gail and I reporting for paperback duty. We realized that we haven't done paperbacks in quite some time. So we thought we would get in some paperbacks. Uh, I think actually quite a few of these that we have mentioned in the last few weeks that I've mentioned in the last few weeks, I know, are out in paperback. So that's nice. We'll do all our normal stuff first. Uh, check in on what we've been reading, and then a little bit of book news before we jump into what is coming out in paperback. Okay. So this weekend, I my readings got a little slow. We actually took in a foster dog on Friday night, and I feel like she has like upended the, the whole house. Like she's the, the sweetest dog, but she's I think still a puppy. She was not quite billed as a puppy, but I think she is still a puppy. What kind of puppy is she? She is a pointer mix. So she's like um, about 50 pounds and not huge, but, you know, bigger than... Not light. Not light (laughs) and bigger than my current dog, who's a beagle. So she kind of towers over him and she's just, she's adorable and lovable and sweet, but she's also like mouthy. So she likes to nip at things and bite. She's young. Yeah, she's young. She's young. She's like kind of floppy and like not that coordinated. And but I mean, how old is Lucky? Lucky is ten. So it's been a while since you've had puppy behavior. Yeah, I've actually never had puppy behavior because when I adopted him, he was like, and we think at least a year and a half. And the dog I had before him, I got when she was one. So I've never really dealt with like a true puppy. I mean, she's not a puppy puppy, but she's young. And so, you think she's younger than one? Or yeah, for sure. Younger than a year and a half? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, she's, she's, she is. I think she's, she's like definitely a puppy then. Ten, yeah. So she's like, her feet are really big and her, she's got a lot of extra fur. And so, I mean, we, it's been really fun, but it, it has kind of dominated the, the weekend. <laughs> so, uh, and my reading took a bit of a nosedive, sadly. Oh, but yeah. So, yeah. Good reason. Yeah. Yeah, for nice sure. Puppy. Good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know anything about her, her situation, where she's coming from? Yeah. She came up on transport from South Carolina. The organization that I work for, um, that I volunteer with, they bring up usually a transport every week from South Carolina and then sometimes from some other states or Puerto Rico. So sometimes it's Texas and sometimes I think maybe Louisiana and then, but there's almost always one from the same high kill facility in South Carolina. And they don't really have any background on them. I mean, I know she got spayed like two weeks ago and I have her medical, you know, her shots that she's recently had, but there's no, you know, oh, we found her on the street or anything like that. So she was obviously either surrendered or, you know, somehow was found her way to this facility and somebody there looked at her and thought she would be like highly adoptable. And I think she, there won't be any problem probably finding someone to adopt her, especially now there's so many people who want to adopt. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. That's such a concern uh, with so many people being unable to care for their animals anymore. And I know it can be heartbreaking. I can't even imagine that having to give them up and, and uh, 
yeah, I don't know that things like that are going to be getting any better. I think I was reading an article just talking about, you know, the plight of pet owners and how a lot of them with stimulus or other financial packages that Congress had been able to pass over the spring and the summer were able to hold on. But now it just seems like, you know, there's not going to be any more aid for them. And it's coming down to making these really dire decisions. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, a lot more owner surrenders, which just makes fostering and bringing these up like more important than ever, because there's so many dogs that are finding their way to these shelters and they don't have like adoption events anymore because of COVID. So they're really relying on fosters to help keep these dogs until they can find, um, you know, good homes for them. So how long do you have in your mind that she might be with you? Well, I have no idea. Like the coordinator we've talked to, she, I I emailed her Friday night because she was, the dog was having some kind of stomach issues. So she was helpful with giving me some tips on what to do for that, but she hasn't mentioned anything about adoption. So I don't know if she's sort of just giving us time or she wants to give us time to be able to get to know her so we can describe her accurately to somebody. I actually talked to a family today through a friend who's been looking for a dog. So they, and they live not that far away. So that would be nice because if they ended up with her, we could still visit her. What is her name? Her name is, well, her, she came with Sadie Ann and we've been calling her Sadie, <laughs> which we think is Sadie really Ann? Yeah. No, it's so <laughs> random. Um, but I don't know how long she's had this name. Like, you know, I don't know if the shelter gave her that name or she came with that name. Um, right. But I like the name Sadie. So we've been calling her Sadie. Does she respond to that readily enough? Uh, she seems she to, just like, but I, it may just be tone of voice. Like when right. you, right. Or like if I have a treat in my hand, she'll come over. Um, I, I think she, I think she gets it, but I'm, I'm she's guessing. She's like, fine, Sadie, it's fine. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Let's go with that. I think that she, um, I think that it's a new name because she doesn't respond to it that readily. So I, my guess right. is she hasn't had it for very long. She's a sweetheart. Aww. I'll put a picture, maybe I'll put a picture on the blog. Um, for this episode so that you can see what she looks like. She's I would really love cute. to. Yeah, she's really cute. So anyway, that's All why right. things are a little disoriented. So you have not finished anything. You're still kind of where you were last week. So yeah, I'm listening to The Exiles on audio and I've been reading uh, 28 Summers by Ellen Hildebrand. This is my first Ellen Hildebrand or Elin. I'm not sure if I pronounce her name. And I think I, it's Elin. Elin. And it's really good. I like it a lot. And so now I'm wondering, like, should I read other Are you going to go back? <laughs> I don't know. Like, have you read anything by her? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, she does a good summer book. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I feel like in recent years, I've she's come out with a couple of books a year, like last year or maybe the year before she had a Nantucket kind of Christmas-like book. Right. But she can usually, you can usually depend on her to come out with a book about about May, you know, mm-hmm. about some family that is in some kind of crisis and one way or another, they end up on Nantucket to try to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I mean, I like her books. I think that, yeah, you really do like her books and I think there can be a temptation to just binge them. I wouldn't do that. I, maybe you could read a second one, but I don't think I would read like three or four. Yeah. I can see what you're, where you're saying. I mean, I think that like they, they would sort of 
feel old after a little while because I think that they're probably not that dissimilar from each other. Right. I think that if when you're looking for that kind of book, you know, to be delivered to you once a year, you're looking forward to it, you're ready for it, then it's really great to have. But I think my mom really liked her and and read two or three or maybe more in a row. And she was just like, all right. <laughs> it's like eating too many, like after dinner, too, I right. always get a meringue because they're really good, but they're very sweet. So, and then right. I have a second meringue and I'm like, oh, that's right. so good. And then sometimes I'll have a third meringue because oh. they're like really light, you know, <laughs> light in calories. And then by the third one, I'm like, oh, that's so disgusting. Like why did right. I do that? Yeah. yeah. I think you can read two or three if you're really getting into it, but I would probably... You know, I would really think about going in for the third book, and definitely by the fourth, I think that you would probably have a little bit of a, <laughs> yeah, a bit of a. Okay, I've read this story five times now. Yeah, I think you're right. So for the first one, though, it's delightful. So yeah, I, they're they're really good. You should put her. You know, you should have her so you can look forward to her in May or June. Yeah, I think that's right. So she, um, I, I made a dent. Like our, I made more progress at my son's baseball game today. So we'll see. Uh, but that's pretty watching. much. You aren't watching Nate. What was, position does he play? He he rotates around. Okay. So yeah, um, I had one eye on the game. It actually was really bad. At one point, I was reading, and the woman like down for me, uh, who's the mother of one of his teammates, was like, "Come on, Nate!" And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I, <fucked up. laughs> I kind of shot her a smile, like, "Thank you, you just right. saved me," because I was buried in my book. It's really right. bad. You're just like, "Yeah, Nate." Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what are you reading? So I started reading We Keep the Dead Close by Becky Cooper, who it's about a woman. I think she graduated from Harvard in 2010 and she became enamored of the story of this graduate student who attended Harvard and was killed, I think somewhere 1967 or 1969. And she really just becomes involved in her story. And I think maybe she kind of sees herself in Jane a little bit and she wants to find out more about her murder. Like it's rumored what happened to her in Harvard and it just quickly disappeared from the newspaper. So she follows up a bunch of rumors about like professors that maybe she had an affair with, but I think it's mainly one of those books about how institutions can be so effective in quashing dissent or anything that's kind of ugly about them. So I am actually reading it on an e-reader. So I'm not sure where I am in the book, but she's just getting to know her story and starting to talk to some of her friends. Uh, So it's, it's, it's really good. I like it a lot. I was reading this interview with her on book page and I thought about you because that was one of your picks for a gift guide. I don't know. I make it, I make it a subscription to book book page. But anyway, they had a really good interview with her and she mentioned all these other books that she really enjoys or would recommend. And I want to read those books now. So that's one thing I like about book pages. Their author interviews are very in-depth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. I'm still listening to the meaning of Mariah Carey on audio and kind of flipping through the book as well. And I'm trying to brain myself in a little bit because I don't, I don't know if I told you, I decided that, well, I started off, my first e-reader was a Nook. And then when I got my iPad, I stopped reading on the Nook so much. And I think I gave it to my cousin, but 
my mom has a Nook, so she hasn't used hers for years. So I got it, but I had so many review copies that were that I think I sent to my Kindle app. So I ended up getting a Kindle. Mm, okay. Just because I don't, you know, for a lot of times it doesn't fit, but I just feel like for this moment, uh, when I want to sneak in as much reading as I can and I want to read some of the stuff that I've been accumulating, I guess, in terms of review copies, that it is, it's coming in handy. And, and too, if I do decide that I want to read Obama's 768 page book. Yep. My mom just borrowed Becoming from me and she's like, it's so heavy and it's 400 pages. So I was telling her about Barack Obama's book and I'm like, well, that one is 768 pages. And she's like, well, why didn't he just, you know, why didn't he split it into two volumes? I said he did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got a lot to say. So I think I'm kind of like you were with Becoming when you said that it was the word of mouth and the reviews that got you into reading this. Cause like I said, I was not, this is not like the top of my list. Like I said, I felt like Michelle's story was one that was much more interesting to me in terms of someone who is reluctantly uh, placed in a political world more than she would want to. And she wants to support her husband. But I feel like we got so many stories of Obama during his presidency that is just it just doesn't hit me in quite the same way but now as you know some reviews are starting to come out and as we get closer i am getting much more interested what do the reviews say well i mean i don't think there are a ton but just i think a lot of people were struck the same way you listened to michelle's book on audio right i did yeah I think that people really enjoyed having him in their ear for that amount of time, you know, like that reasonable voice and just the fact that I think because of the polarization of the country, people may be interested in reading it for different reasons. And it's kind of like either you will just love it or you really won't agree and you disagreed with his policies or you just really did not like him. So I think it's one of those books that probably many, many people will read, but it will be one of those things that that you're split on. I mean, I think Michelle's was just, she was so incredible in terms of dealing with what she did and raising her family in the way that she did, that there was just so much, it was just so much easier to have a respect for her. I mean, she was not running the country, you know? Yeah. I assume he does the audio, right? He does. Yeah. Yeah. That would be hard to pass up. But I bet right? it's like 40 hours long. Yeah. Spend a week with Barack All right, Obama. So I've got my paperweight. I'm prepared. I can <laughs> alternate between that and the audio if I dis- if it becomes irresistible. I don't I have not checked to see if there is an excerpt up on either Libro FM or somewhere, but in terms of the audio excerpt, I don't I don't know that there's that out yet. But we only have a couple of more days to wait at the time that we record this. It's Sunday. The fifteenth. Yep. So we just have a couple of more days. So it comes out this week, right? Yes. Wow. Tuesday. I can't wait to read the reviews. Not the book, the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> and then the book eventually. I was late to becoming. I mean, I think I I think I started it was either a year after it came out or good it was at least like six months after it came out. So I don't I mean, I think it came out in October and I feel like you read it in the first part of twenty 
Oh, you're right. Actually, it was the very beginning of 2019. 2019, yeah. Yeah, it was actually about January. So maybe I didn't wait that long. It felt like a long time because everyone else was reading it. Yeah, and I think I had read it and probably just pushed you yeah, over the edge. Right. So yeah, so I, I don't think either of us has made very much progress. It's been a busy week and yeah, been a little bit preoccupied about what I'm like, what's going on with the coronavirus as it begins to surge once again. And yeah, you know, like where I'm going to be or what I'm going to do. Like I just saw a friend of mine is going to be moving back home for a while, uh, which I think she had done in the spring as well. Just, you know, when you live alone to kind of have someone around you or whatever. I mean, and I think this is really different just because I felt like there was a little bit of light when we had to shelter in place in the spring just because it was spring and their days were longer. I just feel like this is such a different experience heading into winter. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. It's, yeah. Yeah, I I can understand, you know, people sort of hunkering down again. Like today I went grocery shopping and I kind of felt like one of those pandemic grocery shops all over again. I was buying toilet paper and paper towel and alcohol, <laughs> like just, you know, stocking up again. I think that mentality has just come right back. Yeah. I was surprised because I did a little shopping this morning too. And usually I do my shopping pretty early so that I don't run into a ton of people. You know, I usually go between eight and eight thirty. you know, I'm usually back home by 10, but there are a lot of people there. And I think that they were doing similar things in terms of just stocking up on everything. And there's a lot more people than have been there in the last few weeks. So I think that people are prepping, you know, definitely it's in my head to get a few more things than I would normally get. Cause you know, there was definitely in the beginning trying to have enough stuff that would last you for a couple of weeks and minimize going to the grocery store. And that dropped off over the summer, but just kind of like an eye towards getting a little bit of a stockpile going. Like I said, figuring out what I want to do. Like, do I want to go and stay with my mom or, or what? So. Well, okay. Books. Books is a good, easy escape for anyone and accessible and you can get them quickly and easily. So let's turn to paperbacks and what's out. Oh no, no. Before paperbacks, let's talk about book news. Okay. What do you have? Anything good? Not a lot. I didn't really look. Yeah. It, it was a hectic time. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that Nicole and I both did was this week we tuned into um, the speed dating, which is put on by book reporter and reading group guides. And um, this was uh, 2021 releases. It looks like they were kind of going up all the way up to like June. And I had representatives from a number of publishers. And this is an event that we usually attend at Book Expo every May. And then this past May, it went virtual because Book Expo was canceled. And it looks like um, Carol, who's the woman who runs it, she added one in the middle of the year or like, you know, six months later. like nine and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so um, did anything jump out at you from that that made you excited for fall? Uh, There were a few things that I... spring that I took notes on um, that were intriguing. I don't know if I would read it. I saw the Anne of Green Gables one because I was kind of on and off that call because I was simultaneously on work calls. Uh, but it, it's like Anne in Manhattan or something like that. Uh-huh. I noted that for you. So, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. It's kind of tempting, like I would like to see it, but I think the setup that they described, I'm not sure that I see that for Anne. I don't know if I'm ready to go there. Right. Did anything jump out at you? I mean, there are a few things. Um, I'm trying to look over. I'll look over my notes while yeah. you make well, your comments. I, um, the very first one that we saw had a couple of repeat authors for me that I was excited about. Um, this was the Knopf, oh, that's right. yeah, the Knopf Doubleday presentation. And there was a book. Um, there's a new book by Lauren Fox, which is an author I love that I read ages ago. She wrote a book called um, Days of Awe. And she has a new book coming out which Nicole was not, was a little bit turned off by the cover because it was, it is like one of the 15 World War II fiction books that were discussed on this call. But I really love her writing. And what made this one interesting is that it incorporates real letters that were written to or from her grandmother. I can't remember. So um, that one looked good. And I don't remember the titles of a lot of these, but I will, um, I'll just link to them when I post about them. Um, Catherine Heine is an author I've really liked in the past as well. She wrote Single, Carefree, and Mellow, which was a collection of stories. And then another book, uh, I'm going to forget the name of her second book, but this is a third novel that she has coming out. And then Maggie Shipstead, who wrote Seating Arrangements and some other books as well, Astonish Me, and I forgot what else. Um, She has a book coming out. So this one publicist was listing a whole bunch of books that looked interesting. So those I noted. I also noted a book called Black Buck. Did you see that one? Yes. I asked, I said that would be, that sounds really good. Yeah. Maybe a good book club pick or uh, a good chat with the author, I think. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I noted just a whole bunch of different ones that I Looked, that looked good. And I requested a few of them on NetGalley, even though I almost never read anything from NetGalley because I just I just can't bring myself to read um, digital. But it, it's a good way for me to just make note of what I'm interested in. So right. I've got those in there. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty good group. I mean, it started out strong for me and petered out a little bit as it went along, but there were still some... I think it was the opposite for me. I think the hmm. first two presentations... Even the Mackie Shipstead book, like I really liked her book, Seating Arrangements, and I'm not sure if I've read another one of hers, but... Oh, Female Aviator, you were not into it. Female Aviator, and then it splits time with someone who's an actress or something like that. Yeah, I wasn't... I mean, it's Maggie Shipstead, so I think her writing would be really interesting, how she explores the subject matter, but there were just other things I think that grabbed my attention more. Yeah. But we will circle back on this. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of hazy on what I would have to go and look at my notes. But we're going to have our winter preview show coming up. So I think that that would be a good time to probably discuss a lot of the books that we were excited about that we heard on that that call. All right. Well, that's book news. So I guess we should... Oh, there, there is one thing Ooh, because what? I think we're... we're, we're Recording this show, there was like a really good, I think, book-related show that's coming out on Netflix on Thanksgiving that I had kind of said to myself, "Oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to watch this." Oh, what is it? Of course, I'm not prepared like that, Gail. Am I supposed to have ESP and just know what you're talking about? You have to just know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Netflix, Netflix Thanksgiving Christmas release. I saw that. I mean, I think that the 
the Bridgerton series is just so stuck in my head coming out on the 25th that it has erased everything else. Mm. So why don't you get into paperbacks and I will sneakily look this up while you talk about your first paperback. Okay. All right. So my first paperback is, um, and a lot of these are books that, in fact, probably most of these are books that we have talked about on the show already that are now out in paperback. So my first one is The Only Plane in the Sky by Garrett Graff. And this is the oral history of 9-11. It came out in paperback, um, unsurprisingly, the week of 9-11 this year on um, September 8th. So this is a, is a thick, big book. So if you are resisting that because of the size or the cost, it's now out in paperback. Um, this was one of my favorite books the year I read it. I guess that was last year. And um, it is an oral history of what happened uh, on 9-11 and then in the days immediately following, told by a huge amount of perspectives of people who experienced it firsthand. So first responders, people who were in the buildings, relatives of people in the buildings, um, politicians, air traffic control, pilots in the sky, just a a, a very wide number of perspectives. Um, I've actually heard the audio of this is amazing too. I did not do it on audio. I don't know if I could do it on audio. That seems like, although the voices were, I, I don't believe the voices are those of people who experienced it. I think that they are, Actors. actors yeah but um it's a great book and it's an important book and I, it gave me a lot of perspective about that day that i didn't have from before and so i highly recommend it so garrett Graff's the only plane in the sky and it came out september 8th in paperback i can't find it now i'm so disappointed um <laughs> hillbilly elegy will be coming out the day before but that is not what i was thinking about uh, I just read a show? pretty negative review of that too. Yeah, I didn't, I saw, well, that was one of the things that we discussed about that book. Like I was saying how they were trying to inject drama to it by making, I guess, the grandmother just being so adamant that he get out of their circumstances. But I wasn't sure that I bought it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard the reviews are terrible. But oh so I've got one. No, I was thinking I had one more shot because we're going to air this paperbacks show. Um, I won't get to say what it is before Thanksgiving, but have your eyes peeled and DM me if you think you know what I'm talking about. It just seemed like a really Christmassy good story that may or may not have been slightly bookish. I was super excited about it in specific to mention it on this podcast. So the fact that I cannot think of it it didn't it take just, place in uh, Ireland, did it? Possibly. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'll take anything. There's this movie yeah. that's coming out, I think in December, and it takes place in Ireland and they're calling it Ireland's Moonstruck. And it mm. is being so panned in Ireland because it's filled with um, stereotypes. stereotypes and cliches. And I sent it to a friend of mine who's Irish. I sent the trailer. I texted him. I'm like, Isaac, curious to know your thoughts on this. And I sent you, he wrote me back. He goes, is this a joke? <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, you said enough. You don't need to say anymore. And then later on, he was sending me some, some responses from the Irish times of people who were really mad about it. So I kind of wonder if it was the Christmas Chronicles part two, just because it has Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn in it. I think that would be exciting, but it, it's a mystery to me. Like I will report back after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's the season for these, so it won't be bad. But I just remember just like, oh, that's that's what we're watching. I love that you're so susceptible to these. It makes me laugh. Because I don't watch any of these because I don't celebrate Christmas and like, I just don't get into them. And like every year you're, you are into them. And I think it's so cute. I feel, I don't really, I mean, I'm not even the biggest Christmas person. I feel like that's just so much easier to get into if you have children. So I think half-heartedly we tried to do Secret Santa for a few years, but everyone was just getting candles and cozy socks and we're just like, all right, I can buy my own whatever. Because we were trying. Trying to, I think the the maximum was something like twenty five dollars to enforce creativity, and so that worked for a few years, and then that we, that just kind of went by the wayside. Yeah. Even though I might just get, I think I'm going to get a few things because I have some really good ideas for what I want to get for my family, especially with this year, there's a few sentimental things that I want to get for them. But I watch a lot of these with my, she loves Christmas movies, my aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause she loves those books that are kind of, you know, anytime I get anything light, Mary Kate Andrews, yeah. Nantucket books. Rome, it's just like, oh, the, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she loves those. She's read lots of those. Um, she's the one that I give them to. So I get into them with her and they're all so bad. They're just, you just make fun of them. I mean, there's like nothing else to do. Just sit around and so yeah, so I do get excited for them. Yeah. And I'm always mad at the part because there's always this part where I, you know, there's always, there has to be the part where they break up for some ridiculous reason Yeah. before coming back together. Well, you need some, you know, narrative tension. Right. Yeah. I always hate that part though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is your uh, first paperback? All right. So my first paperback is Lot by Brian Washington. Um, I should have suspected that the paperback was going to be coming out around this time because Mm -hmm. he's got a new hardcover novel coming out. So his first book was loosely connected short stories about this man who is growing up in... I want to say it's it's Calo- gentrifying part section of California, and his brother is in the military. His father has run off with someone else. He and his sister don't really get along, and he's gay. So it's kind of about trying to find his life as he comes out. Comes out, I guess, in varying degrees to his family, and they react in different ways. Plus, it tells the story of his neighbors and friends and how they are adjusting to life as the neighborhood becomes more expensive and people have to come to terms with what it is that they're going to do in terms of are they going to sell sell out? Are they going to sell their homes and move somewhere else and resettle? You know, Some people are trying to stay there, which I think his family owns a restaurant and they are at some points trying to stay into the neighborhood. I think at one point his mother is having some thoughts about moving. So it is about a bunch of different things. Like some short stories focus on him when he has found love. Some short stories focus on maybe neighbors who live in his complex affairs he had when he was younger. So it was it was really good. And I am looking I'm really looking forward to his novel. And I don't really go for short stories that much these days, but I really liked uh, this collection. I have um, his novel now at home. It was, I think it was a, my book of the month pick, but I haven't started it yet. 
All right. Uh, next up, September 1st came out, um, Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, which uh, I read, I guess, last year. I think it was a book club pick. And this is by the author of Perfect Little World. Um, and it is about uh, a woman who is hired to be a nanny to her childhood best childhood best friends, uh, two children, or there's her stepchildren who have a tendency to ignite into flames when they get angry. So I have some mixed feelings about this book. This book got a lot of attention and a lot of people really, really like it. People think it's a very funny book. I actually didn't find it funny at all. It didn't, did not strike me as a funny book. And I didn't, I think because I didn't sort of get the humor in it, or I didn't, I don't know. It didn't respond to the humor in it. it. I didn't enjoy this book as much as other people did. There's, there's definitely some, it's memorable and there are some poignant parts of it. And I think that I'd like that author a lot. I've read perfect little world. And what was his first book? Why am I blanking on his first book? Oh, the family fang, which I didn't read, but I think there's even another book by him. I'll have to look it up and remember what it was. Is the comp to him, Wes Anderson? That's funny. I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan. I, yeah, I think I heard something up like that about his books and that kind of the family thing. These books are all a little bit like I don't really enjoy weird yeah. things. They, like, is it this is about the kids who burst yeah. into fire? I don't actually think I would go with the Wes Anderson comparison because I think there's more humanity and heart to these books. Wes Anderson, I feel, are very cold. Like, I don't. I don't think that Wes Anderson movies, like one of the reasons I don't like them, aside from the fact that they're odd and a little weird, I think that um, his, like, I find emotionally, hard to emotionally connect with them. I don't have that problem with Kevin Wilson. And certainly I didn't with Perfect Little World. I didn't, I didn't think um, that it would, that book wasn't that weird. This one's definitely weird. And, uh, but it's just, it's not, I don't know. It, I don't think it was, I think it, it's hard to characterize and I'm not sure it succeeded as being the kind of offbeat quirky humor that it, that it was supposed that, that was billed at. But a lot of people really like this book. So I included it here, A, because I've read it and B, because I think a lot of people really like it. So if you were on the fence about this as a hardcover, maybe having it in paperback, paperback will, will yeah, get you to pull the trigger. All right. So my next book came out in September as well. It's one that we discussed. Uh, it was a book club pick for us. It's The Travelers by Regina Porter, which I really liked. Uh, you liked it a little bit less than I did, but it's about, it's like a sprawling novel about this family. It's like a mixed race family, I guess, is at the base of this story. And they start exploring like the familiar roots so there are several crossovers, there's different characters, and we see the different ways that their parents were affected by either racism or the fact that they had to, that they had very different lives. Like the white family, you get to see them be more established. And I think some of the things that happen among the black characters is that there is a lot of movement between them from different things. But it's also about how these characters' lives intertwine. And I really enjoyed it. I was able to pick up on the threads and 
just, I guess, from my own personal history and experiences was able to really relate to this book. It's interesting. I think that this is something that if I were to read now, just in this particular moment, it might be difficult to read just because there's so many threads, but I just think it's such a worthwhile, such a worthwhile read. Uh, I remember with the hardcover, there is just this map of how people's lives, where they've knowingly or unknowingly intersected over the last, I don't know, hundred or so years, just as they crisscross up and down the Eastern seaboard. So I definitely think it's worthwhile, you know, if you feel like you are in a space where you can concentrate on like the sprawling uh, family story, which has many, many characters, I would definitely give it a read. But I, I do recognize that sometimes like in this moment right now, it might be hard to focus, but I love this book. Yeah, I don't think that my copy had that. That sounds like that would have been helpful. Maybe it did, but I don't remember it. Either that, or I think that maybe from, on the author's website, they had this this really big map of who lived where. And huh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, you definitely like this one more than I did. Um, I I found it hard to follow, and as a result, I find it um, almost impossible to remember anything about it. Like it just didn't leave <laughs> much of a an impact on me. And I think even as I was reading it, I was confused sometimes. Like I was like, wait, what? Who am I reading about? Or what? Or there were sometimes like some stories that were being told and I was like having trouble sort of understanding the relevance of the stories to the larger plot. I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me as well as it did for you. Okay. So my next one, and I don't have the date, but I think the rest of mine are ones that came out in November or are coming out in November. Um, My next one is celebrity memoir, Demi Moore's Inside Out. I really, really enjoyed this one. I did it on audio. It is now out on paperback. It's, you know, very dishy book about Demi Moore's life as a young actress. Well, even before that, about her kind of chaotic, dysfunctional growing up and then how she ended up in Hollywood and then her marriages and her movies and her daughters and her addiction. Really good. It's just everything you'd want in a celebrity memoir. And the narration by Demi Moore is great her kind of deep raspy voice for which she is so famous. So Inside Out by Demi Moore, definitely pick this up or give it as a gift. It'd be a great gift to your, if you know somebody who is Gen X, this is a great gift. Did she drop any like bombshell secrets in there or was it pretty tame? Um, I wouldn't say bombshell secrets. I mean, she talks about like being married to Bruce Willis and what broke them up. And then she talks about Ashton Kutcher and you can see she's trying to take the high road with her marriage or the demise of her marriage to Ashton Kutcher. But she clearly is, you know, a little bit, you know, perplexed at his behavior and was very hurt by him getting remarried to uh, Mila Kunis. Um, no, I wouldn't say there's a lot of like bombshell stuff in there. So if you're looking for bombshells, you won't find them, but it's still just a good, (laughs) a good involving story. Oh, that's nice. She took the high road. Yeah. She probably didn't the first time (laughs) that some editor was like, why don't you tone it down on Ashton Kutcher? I would think that they might, I don't know, want to fan fan those. Right. Yeah. So my next book came out in October. It's called The Return, October 6th. This is the book that got me back into reading. It's a bit of a horror novel. It's about a woman 
who is, she has this really good friend group. They're all great friends. One of them disappears. I think she goes hiking and she's gone for, I believe, two years. And then she comes back and it's all very mysterious and perplexing in terms of where she's been and what's going on. But they decide to do a girl's trip and they go to this really creepy hotel. The friend is acting weird and it goes on from there. So <laughs> this is a book, it was just really easy to read, really easy to turn the pages. And in a time where I feel like I was just scattered and not really reading anything was something that was compelling and kept me turning the pages. Like I felt like I knew kind of what was going on with it, but it did take some turns that I did not expect. I think when we talked about this earlier, I said that this book has like each main character is just so, uh, I don't know. She tries to have the most diverse set of friend set. Uh, yeah. Friendships or, or friends in this book. So each one of them is so different. And I just feel like tries to throw in so many different elements. You have one woman who's Asian, but she was adopted by white parents and raised in the South. I think one woman is something happened to her. I think she had bone cancer and her leg was amputated. I mean, it's just, you just get such a mix of diversity with among these characters. I think in some ways I felt like it was purposeful and a little bit over the top, but it was definitely interesting, even though the characters besides them being so well depicted in some ways were a little bit bland. But in all, just because it is a horror novel and just trying to figure out where it's going to go, it was it was a page turner. And uh, it said interesting things about friendship and knowing when it's time to let go of certain people and relationships. Hmm, okay. All right. So my next one is Long Bright River by Liz Moore, which was the first, one of the first books I read of, well, not the first one. I read it in maybe February of this year and I loved it. And, and we talked about it for the gift guide. So yeah, we've talked about it. A if ton. someone prefers, prefers paperbacks. Yeah. So you can do paperbacks. So again, I know we've talked about it a ton on this show. We both read it, both really liked it. This is a literary thriller about a woman who is a cop in Philadelphia or detective in Philadelphia. And she's trying to find out where her sister has disappeared to and also solve some unsolved mysteries, uh, unsolved murders of um, prostitutes who have been killed in this kind of rough part of Philadelphia where they live. And I had a hard time putting this book down. It's one of my favorites of 2020 and I highly recommend it. So that one is now out in paperback and it's a big, thick book too. So it probably costs a lot less to buy that one in paperback. So there are a few books that I want to mention just briefly in passing because we've discussed them a ton. Some I talked about on the gift guide and some are rather big books, but they are out in paperback. We talked about The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. We actually had a book club on this book, I think back in, I guess it must have been the summer of 2019 or the fall of 2019. Um, so it's out in paperback. Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrich, which I just talked about last week. 
in terms of maybe a book that you want for the guys in your life, whether it's your father, friend, or brother, or husband, or boyfriend. (laughs) So that is out in paperback. The Lion Game by Ruth Ware, which I read, and I really liked that one. I think that was one in the vein of friends reuniting and secrets come out. You know, they talk and, and make discoveries about something that's happened in their past, which of course, is has followed them to this place where they decide to gather, which I think is where they used to go to school. So that is out. Uh, know My Name by Chanel Miller, which I talked about last week, is also out in paperback. And I really liked Jacqueline Woodson's Red at the Bone. I talked about it on the show. I don't know if I talked about it a ton, but it is about this young girl's it's about a lot of things. I think the main tag at the time was it about it was about uh, a woman who reluctantly has a baby and what she does, like how she deals with that. She basically abdicates most of the responsibility to her partner while she goes to college and discovers herself at college. But it also takes place at the juncture of in her daughter's life, where it is. I think she's doing like a kind of like a sweet 16 party or like a, a homecoming party, almost a little bit like a black cotillion and the events surrounding that. It is multi-generational. Uh, it takes place, I think, in some very important moments in, in the country and in New York. And it's just, it's beautifully, it's so such a beautiful book. She's such a great writer. So- that really should have been on my gift guide. You should get some Jacqueline Woodson to, to people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I have a few more as well. Two of which I've read and two of which I have not read. So of the two I've read, one is uh, a book. I don't, can't remember if you read this or not. Did you read Followers by Megan Angelo? No, I didn't. Okay. So Followers is a book about uh, social media culture influencer culture. It's set, it's dystopian because it's set in a time where you, there are like whole um, sort of cities that are created around influencers and uh, everything is calibrated to generate followers and reactions and responses. And I don't know. It sort of turned into a thriller. I I was really excited for this book and I ended up not really liking it all that much. Um, but a lot of people read it and, and liked it a lot. So I'm including it here as if it was on your list and you never got to it, you might be interested in it now. But if you, again, like the intersection of dystopia and thriller and social media all in one, and that is followers by Megan Angelo. Um, also, The Dutch House by Ann Patchett is out in paperback, and that is about two siblings dealing with very difficult childhood and traces them into adulthood and the bond that they share together and their relationship with the house of the title, which is the house that they grew up in called The Dutch House, and about how much this house meant to them and the role that the house continues to play in their lives as they get older. And then I just wanted to mention two books that I actually haven't read yet. One of them is called The Body Politic by Brian Platzer. I actually have the library book sitting in my room. I think I took it out in um, March 
and it's been sitting in my house ever since. And I've renewed it a couple times, um, and it's still not overdue, so it still remains in my house. But it is the type of book that Nicole and I really like. It's the four friends living in New York type of book, and it goes from nine eleven up through two thousand sixteen election, and it follows four students at Cooper Union and their relationships afterwards, and what you know how how the things that have happened to them in the intervening years have affected them and affected their friendships. And then the last one that I had on my list was Olive Again, which is the revisitation of Olive Kittredge by Elizabeth Strout. And so she goes back and revisits the, her famous character from Olive Kittredge and puts her in new situations and it's supposed to be great. And I have not read it yet. So those are my fast is that kind of your fast four. Are those kind of, is uh, the Olive Kittredge one, one that you think you want to read? Yeah, I think I do. Um, I really liked Olive Kittredge and it's been years since I read it. And uh, I've heard great things about this one too. So yeah, I would like to get to it at some point. All right. Is that it? This is kind of an abbreviated paperback list because we had not done one in so long. We'll try to keep up with the paperbacks on a more quarterly basis. <laughs> yes. Because they do get out of hand. Yeah. And I think I think there are like, you know, book clubs especially, sometimes they only will pick books once they're in paperback because it's just easier for people to get them. And so right. I think it's a useful list to have because there are people who literally won't read them in hardcover and they wait till the paperbacks to come out. I used to be like that. I just love paperback books because the print was smaller. Like I feel like hardcover books, the print is so big. Mm-hmm. My mother's like, wait till you get older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Just you wait. Well, I think that's a good list. I do too. I agree. Well, uh, let's see. Next week is the week before. No, next week is Thanksgiving. Yeah, next week. Maybe we should do an episode on bookish things that we're thankful for. It wouldn't come out till after Thanksgiving though. Well, still be in a thankful mood. Yeah, that's true. So bookish things we're... I have to think about for. that if I can come up with anything. Yeah, as you say that, I'm just like, I don't know. How is that different from my gift guide? <laughs> well, because they don't have to be tangible things. Like they could be, I don't know, series, like series books or I don't know. We'll have to think about it. We're going to have to think about that yeah. a little more. We're not sure That's, that that will happen. This, this idea is clearly <laughs> not fully baked. <laughs> as you can see, Nicole and I follow a very strict editorial calendar. Yes. All right. Well, maybe not that one. Yeah, maybe not that one. (laughs) Back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. And until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.